welcome to the No-Till Farmer Podcast, brought to you by Yetter Farm Equipment. I'm Michaela Pogner, Managing Editor at No-Till Farmer. In today's episode of the podcast, Contributing Editor Dan Crummett talks with Clint Brower, the CEO of Greenfield Robotics, about Greenfield's weeder robots, how the company plans to expand the robot's capabilities beyond weeding, and why Brower wants to take the chemicals out of no-tilling. Here's Dan to get us started. Well, good morning. Uh, we're here with uh, Clint Brower, CEO of Greenfield Incorporated, a company that has some interesting things as far as a business model and the uh, technology to back it up. Tell us about robotics as a service uh, that you're uh, working with with Greenfield and uh, pioneered to some degree. Uh, tell us about that, uh, how that's working, and uh, where you're headed with that. Back when I was in uh, software and entertainment media, we were very early into uh, software as a service. And uh, so late 90s, started hiring firms. And uh, actually, my co-founders of Greenfield actually started one of the first SaaS uh, companies, software as a service, back in the early 2000s and exited private equity. And uh, I like that model where instead of buying equipment, uh, you basically rent it. And so it changes your balance sheet and it changes you use uh, operating capital instead of needing to you know buy capital and service it with interest rates on top of that debt. Was given some good advice when I was starting Greenfield that uh, those two things would work together well in terms of we're still, you know, you're always early on with robotics or any hardware, you're innovating quickly and with software. So it gives us a chance to sort of control what issues we're having and and mask it so the farmer doesn't have to worry about it. And so those two things came together very well. And so we decided to do this as robotics as a service and we charge on an acre basis. So it's just something the farmer can say, okay, uh, if I want to hire Greenfield, how does this work? Uh, well, you simply say, I'm going to reduce my herbicide load and I'm going to take that money and I'm going to change, take it to Greenfield. How does that cost per acre compare with the herbicide? Right now we're quite a bit lower. But um, but it's not, uh, I want to be clear, at the stage we're at right now, we work with herbicides. So uh, okay. a farmer, a no-till farmer is still going to do a burn down or residual is what we ask them to do. And then we're post-plant. So what we're, okay. you know, with our current mode of action, what we're really guarding against is runaway pigweeds and mare's tail and stuff like that. So you're still going to need to have grass control. And then we're, we're racing to canopy post-plant is basically what we're doing. So we'll We'll, we'll run about two or three times after you plant your soybeans or your milo uh, in between those rows with those robots. I would assume would be an excellent tool for resistant weeds, as you said, runaways. Uh, and it would be a, a chance to break that cycle. That's right. That's exactly what, you know, I thought it'd be something that no matter how you farm, you run into these problems to some extent. And mm -hmm. so we thought, well, this is a, a good mechanism. And it's it's interesting, right? I mean, last year... Uh, we ran on most of the fields only one time, right? We were in a drought, and and so it wasn't uh, – we didn't need to be out there very often. But if we go back a couple of years when you had plenty of rainfall and you couldn't get the spray rig out there in a timely manner, then we were running two and three times. Well, tell us a little bit about the technology of the robots themselves, how they're designed, what they do, and just introduce us to the weed bot. Yeah, they, uh, it's about a 350-pound machine. It's got a suspension. It's four-wheel drive. They move about three and a half miles an hour uh, in between the rows, 30-inch uh, rows currently, 
of cotton, corn, soybeans, um, milo. And when they're doing that, we got them finally to about halfway through last season. We got them to where they're they're moving uh, about 99% of the time within an inch variance hmm. at that speed. So they're pretty precise, which you got to be when you have spinning blades. Um, so the blades are about a half inch off the ground um, cutting. And so they're cutting everything in sight. Sometimes they're scalping and they're cutting within two inches of the plant, you know, sometime within an inch, sometimes depending on, you know, that inch variance going back and forth. So that's what we're, you know, striving to do. We'll deploy about 10 of them at a time. So someone will show up with a trailer, the edge of the field, and we'll deploy 10. And so what that means is we can do 10 acres an hour. So one robot can do about an acre an hour. So we can do 10 acres an hour on a field and um, then we'll run them. You know, uh, currently during daylight, we have tested at night. And I think this year we'll probably run a lot at night. The overall process is, is you know, is pretty straight ahead in terms of what the farmer has to do with us. And then we take it from there. How are they guided? And uh, what's the power source? Uh, how long can they run? What's a duty cycle? Based on where are the rows? And so you've got a couple challenges we solved. One is identifying where the rows are. And we're always getting better at that. The second challenge is driving straight. I think we're about as good as we're going to get on that. Those are the the way they work. And we're using RTK GPS of our own making for that, um, meaning we have our own correction signal and so on and so forth in terms of uh, driving straight. Then, of course, we have all sorts of other stuff, just like a John Deere tractor or anyone would have that, that go along with that built internally. And then we have a lot of our own algorithms that we've developed to make these things drive really straight. And that, that really is the special sauce uh, so far. And then in terms of recognizing the rows, you know, we've done it fairly manually in the past, but now we're using machine learning. Basically, we, we fly drones and we figure out where those rows are and use machine learning and go from there. So the aerial support uh, helps the machine learning. The machine itself uh, is is using lidar radar what how does that work we actually predetermine it uh we predetermine it using uh the files so basically robots following a scheme we set up before it even arrives there okay and so that everything's predetermined in terms of pathing and and what they're doing before we even get there uh, we started with machine vision and and did that the first couple of years real-time guidance you know recognizing stuff as we went um, and we just wanted to be able to get out here and commercially run at a high speed. And I think we're pretty rare at being able to do, you know, this year, five, probably to 10,000 acres easily with these. Very machines. good. Very, so, good. Very good. You know, and so we wanted to get in there, be commercially viable and what in less of a science project. Greenfield's pioneering another significant business and, and a business model development, uh, partnering with uh, food producers and such. Can you, Give us an overview of what you're doing with that and how the weed bot comes into play with that. You know, my, my view is I'm trying to get the chemicals out of no-till farming. That's essentially starting with herbicides. And so we have robots in development now that we've proven on my ground that can eliminate the need for burn down and also residual. Now we proved it this last spring. And so we'll be releasing that out in the public at some point, probably this year. But what we're doing is we're sitting down with food companies and saying, look, we have the capability of the current weed bot that you and I have discussed. And we also have this other capability coming. And when we do that, we have a unique selling proposition for you. And we've done what we set out to do, which was to get rid of herbicides on no-till farming. 
And so for that, we think that, you know, we should be compensated where, well, the farmer that adopts us should be compensated well, and we'll help you sell at shelf because right now, from my experience, uh, walking in a grocery store is completely and thoroughly uh, confusing. And so we're making Greenfield a consumer brand that you can trust, that you understand how it was farmed, right? And so complete transparency, this is the way we did it. Um, this is how it was done and, and people can do that. I think that there's a lot of standards and stuff out there, but they get murky over time. And I think everyone knows that, including the people who created the standards. And so we want to create a standard, a new standard that basically says, this is what we stand for. And that all comes back to, you know, I am a farmer. Um, you know, I have this background and I, I, I got into this because I'm pretty sure my dad died prematurely from Parkinson's, from herbicides, right? And I did build some businesses. I did spend 32 weekends in grocery stores talking to people standing in the aisles. I was that guy. And I realized just how confusing everything is. And my view is, and I, of course, have tons of farmer friends and consumer friends who don't understand farmers, but they all want the same thing. And it feels like there's this huge disconnect between what the farmers are doing, what the consumers want, and neither one of them want that. And so Greenfield is to build those tools and to bridge that communication gap because no one wants to use these chemicals. We use them because it's the best way to farm currently. That's why we do what we do. And so that's why I'm devising, you know, why do we have the brand? And so we have a, a couple deals inked already with Canada Pet Food. And then uh, where we've built a supply chain for them and also a snack to this, which is human food. So we'll be in some of Joni's cake mixes and some of the other products she's working on right now. And we're working on a third deal right now. Would this be sold under a Greenfield brand or? or... It'll be a, a sub brand. Okay. So my view is I want, you know, I think that there are people like Joni that are experts in what they're doing and they know how to put together a cake mix. I'm, I'm clueless. Um, so Don't we'll eat let the them brownies. do what they do well, right? Yes. But let's yeah. help them get the ingredients they want, raised the way they want them and then help them tell that story itself. If you look around, there's not a consumer brand out there that's dominant. And so in food, it's sort of a fragmented market, and it's um, it's very unlike most markets right now. That's kind of, you know, if we could, we'd like to be that North Star out there for consumers. I'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Yetter Farm Equipment. Yetter is your answer for success in the face of ever-changing crop production challenges. Yetter offers a full lineup of planter attachments like row cleaners, closing wheels, and planter-mounted fertilizer equipment. And check out Yetter's highly popular stock devastators, cover crop rollers, and strip-till equipment. Yetter products help you maximize your inputs, save you time, and deliver a return on your investment. Visit them at yetterco.com. That's Y-E-T-T-E-R. CO.com. Now let's get back to the conversation. And you would foresee this, I take it, uh, uh, moving into uh, like high dollar crops and such, uh, you know, a can of peaches with, with a Greenfield uh, stamp on it or something like that? Yeah. I think the key is, you know, we'll see how it all goes, but I think that the key here is we want to be transparent. And so, and that means, you know, you have to explain to the consumer what you're doing and how you're doing it. So, yes, if we have technology or we can partner with folks that have technology to help uh, us do that and achieve that in, a, in an orchard, 
then yeah, that'd be on the table at some point. Right now, just to be clear, we're very focused on uh, row crops, you know, broad acre. Uh, that's that's an interesting direction because most robotics, or at least in my experience, have been aimed at and, and spawned in high dollar crops and vineyards and, and vegetable production, that sort of thing. Uh, tell us a little bit about any anecdotes you've had working with broad acre farmers and uh, what you've learned and uh, uh, maybe things that, that you wish you hadn't done and things like that uh, working in uh, working in cash row crops. You know, I think that if I had to do this again, um, one thing is I think we started with one of the more difficult products we could have started with, and that's fast spinning blades, moving at a high speed in between rows. And we're actually this year putting a cover crop system out there where you can cover crop ahead of time uh, while your milo or sorghum, or sorry, while your sorghum or uh, soybeans or whatever's finishing, we can go in and put a cover crop down with good soil to seed contact. That's a lot less risky than spinning blades. And so I wish we did. So that would be done with the robots also. Yep. So the idea is we're normally done uh, cutting weeds in, in mid-September. So somewhere between late August and early September, a lot of here in South Central Kansas could be putting some cover crops in for folks. So when you harvest, then you've got a good stand for the winter if you're going to graze it or just let it be there for ground cover. Interesting. And, and so we're adding other capabilities. We're actually working on a wicking slash uh, uh, micro spraying system now so that maybe we, in, in some cases, if it's not being raised for human food and the farmer wants us to run less often, we'll charge them a premium, but we'll cut them and we'll wick or spray the weeds, but it will never touch the crop itself. And it's just a micro dose versus spraying a whole field with a spray rig. A considerable reduction in, in active product use. Yeah, it's a bit of a guess, but probably a tenth, you know, one-tenth, ten percent of the active, uh, what normally guys would spray at this point. Well, where do you see Greenfield going over the next five years? What's what's in the pipeline? Uh, you mentioned uh, cover crop seeding and, uh, and micro sprays, that sort of thing. Your active brain, I'm sure, has some other ideas. I think I've come up with most of the ideas are in development in some way or form. Um, I, I tell the guys it's their their job from here on out. But uh, yeah, I think that, um, look, I mean, at the end of the day, what are we trying to do? And that is eliminate the chemicals. And so that that's where we're going. And so, you know, it starts with uh, herbicides. That's really our, our focal point right now. But then I think over time, I think other folks have shown us that you can reduce your fertilizer load with regenerative methods. Um, so how can we make that work better and scale better? Those are really the focal point of the company is how do we let regenerative ag scale without those chemicals? And, and we're focused on herbicides, but I think fertilizers, uh, regenerative is really good in, in, in slowing that down. And so our robots, everything we design is is should work in a regenerative method. Well, tell me a little bit about uh, the you mentioned that you design these. Where are they built? Uh, how big is Greenfield? What what kind of uh, not payroll and dollars, but people, uh, and and where where does Greenfield operate? Well, we're we're down at Cheney, Kansas, and so we're <laughs> west of Wichita, Kansas, about thirty minutes. Uh, we're on what was my grandma's farm. Is where we're headquartered right now. Um, we have folks all over the, the place. Just where the geography begins to change, going into western Kansas. That's right. That's yep. right. Absolutely. That's, I've driven you know, that road. <laughs> you know it well. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so the team, you know, primarily is in Kansas, but we have folks working on this all over the world, you know, software programmers and, and you name it. But uh, it's mostly here. 
mm-hmm. in Kansas, and we were partnered. Um, our distribution for our farmer sales is actually through MKC Co-op, which is a pretty major grain cooperative here in uh, in the Midwest, and so they're partners with us. And so that's um, that's great. They actually this year will deploy the robots and manage them and pick them up and drop them off and we'll provide, uh, you know, engineering and mechanical support. And so, the robots themselves are built where? Uh, here, Cheney, okay. for the most part. Yeah, Very yeah. Good. We'll send, we, we work with a lot of shops around here, but final assembly mm-hmm. is uh, is here, you know. Uh, their battery packs, What what is it like? Heavy? Uh, they're heavy. Lithium? Yeah, they're yeah. about 80 pounds. Mm-hmm. We swap okay. them every four to eight hours. Yeah, they're heavy. That's one of the things uh, we just signed an advisor today that uh, uh, built uh, pretty remarkable battery systems for bus companies and electric buses. And so we'll, we we want to get in and see, you know, how full, cutting edge can we get with these batteries? Um, we're still a pretty small company. We'll run uh, 20 robots means we'll run somewhere up to 10,000 acres this year, five to 10,000 acres okay. um, doing various things. I'm including in some of that testing the cover cropping and, and some of the other things we're working on. So that's about where we're at. And then I think the following year is when we expand a great deal. Thanks to Clint Brower and Dan Crummett for today's conversation. The full transcript and a video for this episode are available at no-tillfarmer.com podcasts. Many thanks to Yetter Farm Equipment for helping to make this No-Till podcast series possible. From all of us here at No-Till Farmer, I'm Michaela Pogner. Thanks for listening.